WHHH FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. It is a Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC Studios in downtown Indianapolis, where this morning it is snowing. Love you, complete weather forecast coming up here in just a few moments. There is a lot happening, as there always is, by the time we get to a Sunday. And as we have been all month long, we are keeping an eye on what is happening at the State House. It's it's something uh, that we always do, but this year Radio One is taking uh, some different measures when it comes to some bills that are happening at the State House, and it's one that we've talked to you about before: House Bill 1134, which really politicizes the classroom and restricts the way teachers are able to discuss history. And it's bothered folks so much that. Our regional vice president, general manager, Dion Levingston, has decided, hey, we're going to put out some PSAs and encourage people to call the Speaker of the House and let them know they do not want this bill. Now, just doing that is a rare thing for us here at Radio One. So to talk about why it is we are doing uh, such a thing, making such an effort to get you informed about House Bill 1134, our VP and general manager, Dion Levingston, will join us at 8.30. You know, if you listen to Tina's show, you know he loves to talk politics. Um, and he's very informed, and he wants to get you informed. So we'll talk with him this morning at 8.30. While politics is going on, so still is COVID. And if you've been paying attention, then you know every day we seem to be hitting a record, this time hitting like 16,000 cases in a day. I remember way back when, when we thought 1,000 cases or 5,000 cases in a day was a lot. Well. We're going to take a deep dive into the numbers and put some context uh, behind it, because if you've seen uh, every county in the state is saying, hey, we are in trouble. So what are we doing about it? What do these numbers mean? What is the context? We'll talk with Lauren Chapman, a statewide reporter for IPBS, who is always into the data. She's standing by on our live line and talk to us and get us caught up to date on what is happening as we break records with COVID. All that and more coming up. But first, right now, here's what's happening this morning in the news. As I was just mentioning, all 92 of Indiana's counties have reached the red level advisory for COVID-19 spread. The advisory level is based around two parameters. One, test, test, test positivity rate and cases per 100,000 people. This is the first time some Indiana counties have ever reached this level. It is in turn moved the state to reach daily records of new COVID cases. Some health experts say, now this may be a sign that we are nearing the peak of the winter surge in COVID cases. However, we'll have to wait to know that for sure until new data comes in and shows a drop in hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and deaths. There was officially a battle for the Marion County Prosecutor's Office now that Republican Cindy Carrasco has announced her candidacy for prosecutor. The Indy Star describes the 41-year-old as a longtime state attorney who has led probes into white-collar crime under former Governor Mike Pence and recently worked as general counsel to Governor Eric Holcomb. As of now, Carrasco is the only Republican in the race ahead of the May primary. Now, if no one else gets in the race, she will face off in November against Democrat and incumbent prosecutor Ryan Mears, who last month announced right here on Open Lines that he would run for another term as prosecutor. If you haven't noticed, Indiana schools are struggling to stay open due to staffing issues. That's why several Hamilton County school districts are asking parents to pitch in as substitutes. In a video sent to families, Hamilton Southeastern Superintendent Yvonne Stokes 
is asking that if you have any time available in your schedule to sign up to be a substitute teacher. She says in her district, it's staffing levels that could lead to an individual school having to switch to virtual learning. The staff issue is hitting just about every single school district here in central Indiana that you can think of. Carmel Clay Schools says on any given day, the district is in need of 75 to 100 substitute teachers. The districts are just as short on school bus drivers and other essential school staff as well. In the forecast, we have that snow that we've been looking for. We'll get up to a high of about 28, and that's all we're going to get because we're right there right now. We'll dry out tomorrow with temperatures topping out in the low 30s. Every day this week, we'll start with temperatures in the teens. We'll also have a chance for more snow on Tuesday. Right now, it is 26 degrees in Indy. On this Sunday morning, we are continuing to pay attention to COVID-19, hitting record-breaking numbers every single day in the 16,000, tens of thousands. It, it makes what we thought were surges in, uh, you know, May and June of 2020 and what were surges in December of 2020, it makes that look like nothing. Literal child's play. You can barely even tell on the graph that those are there because they are dwarfed by, uh, you know, the 15,000 cases we got on uh, the 11th of this year or the uh, latest that we just got on the 20th. So Friday, uh, 17,000 cases of COVID in a single day in the state of Indiana. And remember, this does not count at-home tests. Uh, so what exactly does this mean? Because... Remember, remember, if you go on the state dashboard, and I'm looking at it right now, still all 92 counties are in red. That used to mean something. That was the guide that we were using on uh, when we would shut down schools or what mask mandates would be put into place or what, you know, uh, capacity, you know, levels would be put in, whether you can eat inside at a restaurant or outside. Well, all 92 counties are at that highest red alert level. and We're doing nothing. So why is that? Let's put some context behind these numbers to somebody who watches these numbers every single day. And that's a good friend of mine, Lauren Chapman. She is a statewide reporter for IPBS News. Uh, Lauren, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad that you could be here um, because, you know, folks ask me all the time, well, when are we going to get shut down? Well, what's next, Cameron? I'm like, hey, we're still playing by the old rules. Uh, but the the new data does not even match it all. The new rules, it's like we're playing a different game with the rules from a different sport. So, yeah. explain to us, Lauren. Let's start with this. Ninety two counties, all in red. That's a level three. Um, yeah. What exactly does this mean? Because before we'd been like, we're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, this would still indicate that we are in trouble. Um, so what the uh, red designation means on the state's website is that there is rapid and uncontrolled community spread. Um, so basically, based on the positivity rate, based on what we know about how quickly Omicron spreads, uh, if you are in a public place, um, the likelihood that somebody there has an active infection of COVID-19 is pretty likely. Um, before the holidays, before Omicron um, was spreading rather rapidly throughout the state, that was anywhere between one in eight and one in 10 uh, people. So if you had, you know, 10 people in a room, you were almost guaranteed to have at least one person with an active COVID infection. And that was way before we had 17,000 confirmed cases in a single day. So what, what this means is, it is indicative that you really need to be diligent about wearing a mask, about social distancing, about making sure that, you know, you're doing all of the things that we talked about at the very beginning of the pandemic to, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you know, limiting your, your potential for infection. But what it means from a government standpoint is not a whole lot. Uh, the Indiana legislature uh, limited a lot of what state government could do uh, in response to some of these numbers. So 
the the idea that we would go back into a lockdown or we would go back to, you know, a lot of the, the things that we did at the very beginning of the pandemic just aren't tools on the table anymore for the governor. Um, and that becomes individual choices for uh, county and local governments. And especially in Marion County, that hasn't seemed to be something that they are particularly interested in. So, Lauren, you now again, guys, Lauren is a reporter who dives into these numbers deeply and understands and has been tracking. You're working at the state house, Lauren, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're around all these politicians who who make decisions. Why is it that even at the local level, um, mm-hmm. we're not hearing you know, mayors and, and county leaders and, and health directors say, hey, to, here's what we need to do. And then making that recommendation to their uh, county council, which the law says they have to do now before Dr. Kane mm-hmm. could just say, hey, guys, we're locking it up, get in the mm-hmm. house. And now she's got to go to, in Marion County's case, the city county council to say, hey, guys, uh, I'm the doctor, I'm the brains in the room, and I think we need to lock it up. So if you could tell everybody what I just said and issue that order, that would be great. So there's all this bureaucracy in the middle. But besides the bureaucracy, why is no one saying basically what you just said, that we've got rampant community spread of COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, Indianapolis is a little bit of a different situation, um, mostly because uh so we, so for example, uh, Friday, as you mentioned uh, in the open, uh, we reported more than 17, nearly 18,000 new cases. Mm-hmm. Marion County has actually been dropping for the last several days. Our 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 uh, cases per day average or seven day average um, has been dropping for the last several days. Uh, the same thing is true in Lake County because we already kind of had our rapid spread of Omicron. The folks who were going to get infected because of of a myriad of reasons, because they have schools, because they're mm-hmm. folks who uh, work in um, you know essential workers, you know things like that, um, they were already going to get infected, and so that's kind of already passed. Um, I also think that, you know personally, uh, I think that for for city and local government, I think that there is a really big conflict between wanting to do what is best for public health and wanting to do what is best for economic health. Um, And considering, you know, some of the events that Indianapolis has hosted in the last just few weeks, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that it would have been politically or economically advantageous to, you know, reinstate a mask mandate or put limitations on, um, you know, restaurants or bars or, or other gathering places. Money over safety. Got it. Uh, 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. For all of you who always call and ask these data questions and how things are counted that I can't answer, uh, you can ask Lauren because she can either help point you in the direction of of the right answer or what s- some things that she uh, normally sees uh, as we are on the air this morning with Lauren Chapman, a statewide reporter from IPBS. Lauren, by the way, you did a great job. Um, I watched your uh, statewide roundtable last week after you had uh, after the governor's uh, state of the state address, you did a fantastic job uh, moderating, and you had great panelists. So much so that I stole one of them. I had Ariel on the show uh, last <laughs> weekend. So uh, kudos to you doing a great job. Uh, let's go to the phone lines three one seven two three nine ninety six ninety six three one seven two three nine ninety six ninety six. Let's do caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Hi, my name. Elaine. Hi, Elaine. So now they're instituting the home test, and a lot of people have been using home tests anyway. Mm-hmm. But the home tests are not being reported to the health department. Mm-hmm. So how are we ever going to truly get our count now? Doggone good question. And as by our president, whom I love, um, has them spread throughout the United States, will we ever really truly have a data count? Mm-hmm. Excellent question. Lauren, I'm wondering the exact same thing, because I know a lot of people who have tested positive for COVID, but tested positive at home with a home test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, so the interesting thing is, is that, you know, so, for example, last past one million confirmed cases. Um, and if you think about the way that at the very beginning of the pandemic for like the first two or three months, 
we didn't have a holistic, comprehensive look at the number of COVID-19 cases that that spread throughout the state. Mm-hmm. We're probably far closer to 2 million total COVID-19 cases. Um, we are never going to capture every single COVID case. Um, so, you know, being able to use the data that we have is, is important to kind of better understand that. Um, that being said, uh, the interesting thing about at-home tests is that depending on where you live in the U.S., depends on whether or not you actually have to report that case or report that positive test. So, for example, there are um, multiple counties in the state of New York that you, if you test positive with an at-home test, you actually have to report it to your local um, to your local health department. Hmm. But you know, the whole states like Indiana, you do not. Um, so, it's there's a bit of a patchwork going on right now. I would not be surprised if we find ourselves, you know, six from six months from now with the CDC saying, Hey, you should probably report these to your local County, to your local health department as well. So that's, that's also a little bit of the, there's a little bit of a patchwork uh, going on right now. All right. That's an excellent question, Elaine. Thank you for the call. 317-239-9696. Let's stay on the phones with your questions because the phone lines are hot right now. Uh, caller on line three. Good morning. You're live on open lines. Who's this? Good morning. Good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? This is Candy. Candy, what's on your mind? Well, actually, I just have a comment. I noticed that. Uh-oh. Candy, did we lose you? Oh, we lost Candy. Candy, call me back. Uh, let's go to the caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, uh, you know, in the debate, uh, data is never admissible because you don't know whether it's derived or something that's going to be uh, something that's going to be uh, that's going to be real. You can't can't accept data in an argument. But what what the deal is is I looked at the pathology of a virus. We've only had vaccines now for about 75 years that have really done anything to help, right? So uh, if that's the case, viruses have been around for billions of years. If they would have uh, not been some way that our body could handle them, we would have been wiped out by now. So when you come talking about shut your business down and you look at the statistics, is what happens is what actually happens is 75% of the people that have uh, passed away from COVID had four or more comorbidities. So you're talking about setting our economy down, and I don't know where these people get this stuff from. I mean, you can't shut your state down when 20,000 people die. 20,000 people have died, Cameron, out of 6.5 million people. You're going to shut your whole economy down, shut all your schools down, uh, 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 disrupt this education system of your kids, and then sit back and act like you want to come back and do it again. People are through with you guys. I mean, I'm through with it. I mean, you go ahead and take as many shots as you want, wear double masks, do anything, stay at home and cower under your bed if you want to, but leave the rest of us alone. All right, Larry. As the state house, We're going to do it. the state house goes, that's nothing but the homosexual agenda being put forth in this so-called uh, – you know, about the uh, uh, equity and inclusion and stuff. You go over there now, you see the homosexual hanging around. All right, Larry, there you go. Thank you, Larry. You asked us to leave you alone, and let you, we'll let you do what you want to do. So we're going to leave you right there because you're veering off topic. Larry Vaughn, everybody. Uh, 317-239-9696. Lauren, have you ever met Larry? Have you ever seen him at the State House? I don't believe I have, um, though I, I think I've met a few people very similar to him. You should look up Google Larry Vaughn. His picture will come up. That's what he looks like. There are pictures of him at the State House. So when you see him, you'll know that that's Larry. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Uh, caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. Good morning. What's your name? Jay. Jay, you're live on the air. What's on your mind? All right. So my question is how, what, and I'm sure the statistics, you know, probably not super perfect, but they are what they are. It's what we have mm-hmm. right now. So what are yep. the statistics for the kids in uh, sports and how are they handling they, when they catch the um, the COVID or things of that nature? How are they handling the sports and uh, 
Good question. Good question, Jay. Thank you very much. Lauren, another great question uh, for you, because as I look at these numbers from someone who works in a school district, I'm like, something is not adding up here. These data, Mm -hmm. this number is wrong. So could you give us some context? Sure. So um, especially for uh, school districts, um, one thing to keep in mind um, is that uh, a lot of school districts cannot handle doing contact tracing right now. There's simply too many cases, mm-hmm. um, which is based on a handful of anecdotes that I've heard from parents across the state. Um, IDOH is getting back with contact tracing uh, to families literally days after their child's quarantine would have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the new guidance from the CDC, um, coupled with the new guidance from IDOH and the Indiana Department of uh, Education, um, uh, kind of outlines, you know, how to approach that for a kid that um, has been exposed or may have been exposed um, to uh, COVID-19. Um, that five-day uh, isolation plus that five days wearing a mask. Um, for kids that are in schools that have mask mandates, um, they are infinitely more protected than the kids who are in schools that don't. Um, and may I also encourage, if you have a child over the age of five, um, make sure that you are consulting your primary care provider or pediatrician um, to make sure that they get um, to make sure that they get fully vaccinated and boosted when that is available to them. Uh, that is what is going to keep kids safe and keep them, you know, doing those things that um, you know are so integral to a child's education. So, Lauren, bottom line, it's fair to say that the dashboard reporting how many uh, cases of COVID there are in Indiana schools simply is not correct for one reason or another. It could be data lag. It could be lack of staff putting it in for a number of reasons. That is not an accurate snapshot. It's not It's not a holistic uh, snapshot, but it is accurate in that, like, as long as you are thinking about that data with the caveats, knowing that there are some school districts that aren't reporting, knowing that there are a lot of places that simply don't have the staff to report and that there will be delays on that reporting, when you see, like, cases spiking up, um, you're able to kind of know that, hey, in the context of where we were before, this is where we are now. Um, So with context, it is accurate. Without context, you're kind of shooting in the dark, and it's it's data that becomes a little bit meaningless. So it's kind of like if I don't know. I, I don't know. I had an analogy, but it's just <laughs> if you look at the con, if you're paying basically if you're paying attention and you have common sense, like mm-hmm. I guess if, if you if you're sitting in your living room and there's water filling up with it, you don't have to go to the bathroom to know that somewhere there's a pipe that's burst and your water, you're, yeah. you're you're drowning. Like you don't have yeah. to see the source to put two and two together that water should not be here. Yes. OK. Absolutely. OK. At, I don't know if that analogy made sense to anybody else, but it's just just me. All right, 317-239-9696. Let's take a couple more calls. I lost what track, what call we were on, so let's just go to call number three. Good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Who's this? Name's Dick Harper. Dick Harper. Good morning, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, what is this Lauren Chapman's credentials to be talking about any of this stuff? <laughs> I just teasing. I, I wanted to commend Lauren for her uh, wealth of knowledge and for sharing that with all of us on the air today. And uh, just wanted to put in my two cents about Mr. Larry's answer a little bit earlier. There is a lot to respond to, but I'll just say this much, that I think the pandemic has lasted this long in part because of people like Larry, people who refuse to wear masks, people who refuse to get vaccinated. Uh, I got COVID because I had contact with someone who refused to get vaccinated. So, you know, I, I feel like the reason we don't have to keep shutting down the economy, if everybody just did their part a little bit at a time, all of us together. Well, sir, I appreciate you calling in and listening, uh, Dick, and uh, thank you for uh, paying attention to all of the statistics. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. Hello. Hello. Good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is Candy again. Candy, good morning. Okay, we got you back. Don't hang up on me this time. Okay, I won't. I'm sorry. Um, I agree with the last caller. Um, because of people like Larry, it's probably one of the reasons why 
we can't get rid of this thing. But my mm-hmm. comment is, I am a supervisor on my job, mm-hmm. so I kind of get all the positive cases firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that a lot of these people do not quarantine. Because mm-hmm. I'll go somewhere and see them in, uh, in the grocery store or somewhere, and I'm like, okay, they should be quarantined. Is there mm-hmm. a number or something that you can call and report this or just people just not care or I don't, I'm just trying to figure out? And I see it a lot, so that's, that was my concern. Good question. Thank you for calling back, yeah. Andy. That's a good one. Lauren, any insight on that? Yeah. So um, one of the things that you might be able to do is um, either reach out to um, the Indiana Department of Health um, or the Indiana um, IOSHA. Um, what they want, uh, OSHA would be the option if, like, the the business or company that you work for is not mandating quarantine. Um, mm-hmm. you'd be able to report that to them. You'd also be able to do so anonymously um, okay. so that you don't have to face any retaliation or anything along those lines. Um, and then they, what they would end up doing is just providing um, uh, education materials uh, to the business. That's predominantly what they've been doing. Um, I don't think they ever actually find a company the entire pandemic. Um, but yeah, that, that would be one option. The other option would be reaching out to your uh, local health department and just, you know, to, reach out, see what um, options um, they might be able to provide, which, again, would probably be educational material, things like that, um, just to kind of uh, give the business notice that, like, hey, these are the things that are going to keep your employees safe. So start with calling the health department. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you being on with us today. Thank you so much for the call, Candy, and I appreciate you. Have a good day. Right, thank you. All right, let me get in one more call, Lauren, before we let you go. Caller on line two. These are some great questions we're getting this morning. I, I, it's it's uh, a clear to me now that because we've gotten so lax uh, mm-hmm. with restrictions and guidance, you know, we're clearly still in a pandemic and folks are like, everybody's picking up on the signs like, yeah, we're in trouble here, but nobody's doing anything about it. So that, I think that's why we're getting um, so many calls about Okay, you told us to pay attention to the science, pay attention to the dashboard. I'm doing that, but nobody seems to care. Uh, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning, who's this? Hey, hey. <clears throat> excuse me. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Cameron, brother Motef, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, sir? <clears throat> My uh, only contention, and I, you know me, I'm a healthcare professional. I go all over. I've been, actually, I've been working at the, all the communities in the last month and larry's totally wrong uh my mm-hmm. uh lady is a uh recovery nurse mm-hmm. on the systems and uh going around and looking on the floors uh there are younger and younger people there are 20s 30s uh i think even some of the research shows that they in one state florida is trying to stop them from saying that they've had a number of school-aged children in, in the icu so mm-hmm. the, the, the numbers are younger and younger but mm-hmm. his uh, thesis about the economy is flawed from 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 the, from the basic school, basic economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to have uh, a thriving economy or a thriving labor force, you must have a healthy labor force. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have uh, the lady just called said she was supervising on her job, I would like to know how many or what percentage of employees have been off or out sick for various amount of time, because in the healthcare mm-hmm. system. We've had large and large factions of people out and sick for various parts of time over and over, mm-hmm. still going to this day. Various mm-hmm. other businesses have had large sums of people out sick at many, many uh, swaths of time, or people who have just quit. They want to call it the great resignation. I call it the great preservation uh, mm-hmm. because people are trying to preserve themselves. When you think about fast food restaurants or retail service or anything like that, and no mm-hmm. one's uh, the companies have shown they're not caring. Now companies are getting a message. They're trying to uh, understand they're going to have to take care of the employees. But for the most part, you mm-hmm. have to have a healthy, thriving labor force to have proper productivity. I don't know if he had economics class. I don't know if Larry mm-hmm. went to college. But that's just the basic tenets of, of productivity. And if mm-hmm. you don't have that, then you're going to see the struggles that you have. You had a supply chain backup in California, not because uh, 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 there wasn't enough workers. The workers didn't, the longshoremen, which I've been out there a thousand times, people make great money, they didn't mm-hmm. feel protected. They didn't feel that they were being actually cared for. And that's a very, very strong union. 
So mm-hmm. that's his, that's the short sightedness in his in his argument that this country practices social Darwinism, mm-hmm. this survival of the fittest theory. It doesn't mm-hmm. care anything about you, Larry, me, or anyone else. Corporations don't care about anybody out here. Mm-hmm. So so the bottom line is you have to care and think about the well-being of first of all others. When you look at the tenants, when I was in the Air Force, the first things we put up there, it was it was God, uh, your family, then your your squad members, then maybe this. You were the last person you're supposed to consider. Okay. Well, look. so when you think about the the society and your role in society, you should always first and foremost. And, I, and I, this is to all you so-called Christians too. Your Bible says this too. You should think about other people first before you think about yourself. So in thinking about others, wearing a mask, being careful. If you don't feel well, take your vitamins, drink water, keep your distance, go get checked out. Most men out here are not getting physicals. They're not getting taken care of. They're not going to the doctor. They're not seeing the doctor. Our well, health outcomes for black men are horrible. All right, so, so, so I'm, I'm going to... And, and I'll, let you go. I'll let you go, but thanks. I just want to put that in there. His, his thesis is flawed. Because well, when you I, have tons of people sick... You're gonna have you're gonna lose productivity. Well, here's the Thanks. thing. Here's the thing. As I always say, Emotep, good to, no, just wanted to say you took the bait. Larry laid it out there for you. You took the bait once again. Well, uh, I don't <laughs> take it normally, but in this case, I did because I think we're trying to provide some education and to people. And plus, you have to understand this country is, is social Darwinism. Yeah, yeah. that's what I know, it is. You I know. Know. Thanks, All right, hey, good to hear from you. All right, uh, Lauren, you've been a wealth of knowledge here this morning. We got to get ready to go to our next segment. So, how can people stay up to date on what you're doing uh, and to see your reporting? Because clearly, you know what's going on. <laughs> I tried my best to. Um, well, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, that's the easiest way. I am at Lauren E. Chapman underscore on Twitter. Um, I tweet constantly about uh, COVID-19 and a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and then you can also hear me on your local uh, NPR or PBS station uh, for Indianapolis. That is WFYI. All right. Lauren Chapman, always doing a good job. Uh, thank you for uh, coming on the show this morning, giving us some context, and answering a lot of questions. We appreciate you. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Still to come here this morning, we're going to talk with the boss here at Radio 1 Indianapolis about House Bill 1134. That's the bill that would change the way teachers are teaching history. And it's made national headlines, and it's causing a lot of concern, so much so that Radio 1 is taking a rare stance against the bill. We're going to call Dion here on the other side of the commercial break, and we'll talk about why it is he wants you to pick up the phone and call the Speaker of the Indiana House. More of Open Lines is up next right here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. And we are back here on Open Lines on this Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. Thank you to Lauren Chapman from IPBS News for keeping us updated on the context behind uh, the COVID numbers and this red map of Indiana that shows all 92 counties the highest alert level. Uh, As she said, that means COVID is at a rampant spread. So apparently don't wait for a politician or somebody else to tell you what to do. Use your own common sense. Uh, and protect yourself, whether that means get vaccinated, do your research about getting vaccinated, or go to a doctor, or simply wear a mask and stay away from uh, other people. Because uh, this Omicron, if you have not noticed, is wreaking havoc on uh, a, a lot of people spreading very fast. Hey, I want to give you a quick update on uh, the grants coming over from the Indianapolis Urban League. And I had a conversation with Tony Mason a week or two ago. And the simple update is they are very, very close uh, to having the latest details on where we go from here. We will be hearing from them in February. So I know a lot of you have called me or sent me an email and, and Tony says he's getting just as many calls. Folks wanting an update. The update is coming. They are very, very close. And someone who can probably tell us a little more about that is our general manager and uh, regional vice president, general manager, uh, Dion Levingston. As I said, it's Radio One's taking a rare stance. Uh, since I've been with this company, uh, when I started back in 20, so, uh, 2012, 
I've never seen us take a political stance against something to send out PSAs to say, hey, uh, pay attention to X, Y, and Z going on at the state house. But we're doing it now for House Bill 1134. Uh, if you've listened to Tina Cosby's show, then you know Dion's voice. He's a regular uh, contributor over there, basically. And so uh, we've woken him up uh, extra early on a Sunday to come talk with us right here on Open Lines. And Dion Levingson joins us on the live line right now. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I want to say real quick before we switch over. Yeah, we're we're um, very close um, with the Urban League as far as getting out the proposals and telling people um, where we're going. So that should be coming soon. And Tony would definitely give you the follow-up. And then to the all the people that took the bait earlier this morning, um, uh, it – There are a lot of things that are going on right now as far as um, COVID and across this country. And, yeah, we're not shutting back down from economic um, standpoints. And there are a lot of very strong views about it. I mean, if you go online, you'll see people call the CDC corporate donor control because they switched it from um, 10 days to five days simply to get people at work. And then they point out where the CDC and the and National Health Institute told us not to wear a mask in the beginning. So there are a lot of other things at play, but I, I, I totally get vaccinated, get boosted, and wear a mask and act sensible, and we can get out of this thing. So that's my 30 cents on that. Well, I appreciate um, that, and I'm going to ask you some more about that later, but you're, you, you're hard at work right now getting folks to call uh, Todd Houston, Speaker of the House, at the Indiana well, State House. Well, we never, and you mentioned um, since you've been back in 2012, and I, um, I can only remember one time with my first tour of duty in the early 2000s um, with um, Amos Brown that we did something similar to this. And it was during uh, Indiana Black Expo. And that weekend, it was a 13-year-old teenager that had gotten slammed down to the ground and handcuffed in front of their grandmother for jaywalking. And there was a couple other similar incidents that happened around that weekend and had been happening that summer. And we ran some very aggressive announcements talking about policing in our communities. Uh, that was 20-some years ago almost. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was a Democratic regime um, in the mayor's office for Indianapolis during that. So. I just want to be very clear to us. This is not Democratic, Republican. This is not black, white. This is not urban, rural. This is about our kids. And um, that's why we've taken this action um, to be very clear. And I know some people came out and they call this um, a racist bill and and the racism involved and things like that. And we're just very, very clear um, that we don't try to legislate intent. So you don't hear us talking about racism or racist bill or whatever. We're just staying to the facts. And the facts are we paid a, we played a clip that everybody's heard mm-hmm. of um, a state senator saying that he wanted Nazism taught with neutrality. Now, the longer part of that interview we couldn't play is that um, Jim Crow, um, slave, slavery, and several other things were mentioned as far as being taught with neutrality. And we can't allow that to happen because what happens is we repeat ourselves um, and we don't learn from our history. There are parts of our history that are not good and you can't teach them with neutrality. We don't want them to happen again. We do not want to repeat them. And across the country right now, there are bills like this that they're calling anti-DI bill. There's one in Mississippi. Um, in Florida, they're calling theirs the Individual Freedom Act. Well, the Indiana bill goes further than being anti-DEI, and and that's where the the, the causes racism come in because the bill in the bill it says that you can't have DEI training, you can't have training on um, race and sex and other categories in the school. You can't make um, a person, um, whether they're a teacher, principal, whatever, go to training for that. You can't train kids on that. Okay, that's one section. Then there's another section that talks about um, committees to basically tell schools what they can teach and not teach. And that's where we have a problem. These are This is the education of our children. These are the future leaders of Indiana and the world. They've got to be rounded. They've got 
They've got to see the things that have happened and, and, and learn the things that have happened in the past and learn some things are bad. And it's interesting, um, Senate Bill um, 167 was killed in the Senate. Mm-hmm. It is not going forward. I want to say that. So, um, But House Bill 1134, it's interesting. They were supposed to have their second reading, I believe, it, of, it, of it this week, and they did not. Um, House Bill 1134 uh, is, is still been going forward, and they are sending responses. I've had listeners email me the response they've got back mm-hmm. from representatives um, to when they've written them. And, and it basically, here's one of the uh, stock emails that comes back. Based on many concerns with constituents from across the state, I can honestly share that this bill has come out of a legitimate concern by Hoosier parents over, tr- over truly concerning content being taught in the classroom. I do want to note that I completely agree with our students deserve accurate and honest education. This bill seeks to ensure that they can do just that, learn about facts of our history, good and bad, without being told how or what to think, believe, or feel regarding those topics. So once again, even though they wrote in a line to say Nazism is bad, Mm -hmm. it doesn't talk about racism, doesn't talk about sexism, doesn't talk about Jim Crow laws. I mean, so once again, the ultimate... Yeah, the ultimate goal of um, House Bill 1134 is to increase transparency and parent involvement in their students' education. Now, so now they're going they're, back they're, to that. They're saying that this comes out of out of, out of a legitimate concern about uh, what is being taught in the classroom, but I have yet to see anybody say, my child actually brought this home from their Indiana school, whether it be Indianapolis or Carmel or Brownsburg or Greenwood or Muncie or whatever to say, this is concerning. All I ever see is that there was a concern, but the concern comes from what they heard on Fox News or OWN or this, these, these other things that say this is what's happening in schools. But no one has said that my child brought this home and, and it, and you know, Mrs. Jenkins says it made, made them feel X, Y, and Z. Am I missing that part? Or are you, are you seeing that part? Where's this coming there from? There was an example that was used, but no one can prove that example actually came from an Indiana school mm-hmm. to your point. So, um, and once again, this bill is bill is transparency. It would create a committee that would basically overlook what's being taught in the school systems. And last time I checked, that's what school boards were elected to do. Um, so we just go around that because some parents are not happy with what school boards are doing or what principals do, are doing or what schools doing. It's just very important um, to make sure that our kids have rounded education. And you can't select parts of history that you want to teach. And you can't, and you can't teach slavery, slavery as neutral. You can't teach Jim Crow laws as neutral. You can't teach Nazism as neutral. And that's why we made these stands. And I just want to go back to this. To us, this is not black, white. This is not. Um, and it's very important that we say the color of your skin or your zip code um, at the end of the announcement mm-hmm. that we have, because it's not black, white. And it's not urban rural, because uh, a lot of this has been said that there are parts of the state and there are some rural parts of Indiana that people are going, well, this is what's happening. You know what? You deserve to learn all the facts in rural Indiana the same way you do in urban Indiana. Mm-hmm. Whether you live in um, Indianapolis or whether you live in Hamilton County or whether you live in Posey County, what's taught in our school system should still be rounded to develop rounded, diverse kids. They're our future leaders. This is important. So and Dion, that's why we stayed to point. And I want so, to say real quick, Cameron. Um, the number to call is 317-232-9677. It's the Speaker of the House, 317-232-9677, 317-232-9677, it, and it's House Bill 1134. And make sure you reference it's House Bill 1134. Um, some action has to happen with it by Wednesday or it goes away, and we'd like for it to go away. And then you got to be focused, too, because if it goes away, I'm sure they're going to try to work this DEI um, wording into another bill. If I, if I were in – that's what I would do. I would try to take 
if I, if it's pushed far enough, I try to take different things out of it and put it other places. But we got to stop it initially, um, and that's eleven thirty four, and that's three one three one seven two three two. 9677. And that is calling the Speaker of the House in Indiana to say, hey, we do not want this. Yeah, we do not want this. Um, and and it's for the reasons that I just mentioned before. It's, it's, it's deeper than saying, oh, it's just Nazism. No, it's, it's slavery. It's Jim Crow. It's so many issues. Then there are all the other issues that concern DEI training in the schools and the reason why some people are saying this bill is one way or another um, concerning race because specifically that DEI training. But there's so many levels and layers of this bill that I'm very careful, and our station's very careful not to try to get to intent, whether Mm -hmm. this is racism or a racist bill. No, we're just looking at the content of the bill and going, hey, this is what you need to be aware of, and you should call your legislature about this bill. I'm going to let a couple people get in. 317-239-9696-317-239-9696. On the air this morning with Dion Levingston, our regional vice president and general manager, uh, talking about why Radio 1 has taken a rare stance in sending out a call to action to you to call the Speaker of the House, Todd Houston, to let him know that you do not want House Bill 1134 to move forward or to become law, to be passed out of the House and move to Senate. You want nothing to do with it. Uh, That is the call to action. Dion, give that phone number one more time. It's 317-232-9677. It's House Bill 1134. And Cameron, we get on here and we do a lot of talking. Mm -hmm. We talk about what the president's doing right, what the president's doing wrong, what's going on with COVID, what's going on with everything else, but then we don't take action. So this morning we're asking you to take action. 317-232-9677. 9677 and reference House Bill 1134. Yeah, if you call me, call them. If you dial my number, you can call theirs. Let's go to the phones real quick. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, good morning. Good morning. You're live on the air. What's your name? Yeah, my, my name is T. T, what's on your uh, mind? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, that, that, that bill there, the call the action bill. Mm-hmm. And to me, um, it, 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 I mean, I'm thinking like, hey, you know, they're already doing it. You know, they're already teaching, you know, the is, or this is, is this the CRT? Essentially, yeah. This, the non, okay, the okay, CRT I'm that good. doesn't actually exist, but go ahead. Yeah, I okay. want to be clear, Cameron, before we go forward. Critical race theory is in the Indiana school system. Thank you. Say it one more time. It is not being taught in Indiana school systems. It is a very high level concept that all of this. I'm going to explain something to you. He said it's not being taught. It is, it is being taught. It is being taught. I'm, I'm going to tell you why it's being taught. And I came, I came out of high school, Tech High School, in, in, in uh, 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 1985, 1985. Okay, they were teaching it then. They were teaching it then. Teaching exactly uh, what, though? They were teaching. They, were, they wasn't teaching the lynching and the gutting and the, and the castration and all that. They wasn't teaching that. Is that what is that what the well, what the so, so Cameron, let's um, and I hate I hate to stop the caller because I just I yes, want to be clear yes, and I want to stay focused and on issue. Thank you, T. Critical race theory is not being taught in Indiana school systems. Critical race theory is a very high legal concept that is taught in grad. It is a graduate level course. Now we can and and in the Indiana school systems. We should be taught about slavery, Jim Crow laws, Nazism, and other things. And we should be taught diversity, equity, and inclusion. We should be taught that there are different things at play. One of the people that spoke against this bill talked about that um, they didn't want, that they were upset that there was an LTBQ club at their um, children's school, and that should not be allowed in the school system. And I just want to be very clear, y'all. We can't go back 200 years um, in which we say we're not going to talk about something so it didn't exist. We're not going to acknowledge um, people um, from sexuality and other things so they don't exist. We're not going to acknowledge slavery so it didn't exist. We're not going to acknowledge Jim Crow so it didn't exist. We have to have conversations about these issues, and we have to make sure our children understand that those were bad parts. 
Those were not good things that happened in our history. And we can grow from that. But I just want to be clear, and I don't mean to cut the caller off, and we can go to another call if you want to, but critical race theory is not being taught in Indiana schools. We'll, we'll do a call real quick, give them about 30 seconds, because we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, caller on line two, good morning. You're live on Open Lines. Who's this? Hey, 1134 is a done deal when it gets to the Senate. My senator, Senator Freeman, and my uh, other senator, uh, Jack Sandlin, said when they get it over there, they're going to do a couple of amendments and they're going to pass it through. But just like Dion said, it's something to push forward the uh, the gay agenda on the backs of uh, our, our suffering. That's what they do. We get nothing out of it. So right. if you want to hear one thing, one thing, one more thing, we try to tell our kids that they imported six million uh, slaves into this country. That's a lie because at the time of the revolution, there was only 250 a uh, thousand uh, slaves here in this country, and only twenty percent of them were full African blood. So that's a lie that we teach our own kids. All we right. have to stop the lying and stop All the right. censorship, Dion. Stop the censorship, Dion. First off, did, did I waste thirty right. seconds? Yeah, no, I'm not going to go to waste because I think everybody's opinion is important. But I, I want to be clear. Um, we don't censor people. What we do, and we're very careful to do this on our airwaves, we will not become Fox News or some of the other outlets that um, give you 15-second clips and propaganda. In the, ad, or in the announcement that we have, we have the speaker speaking for 30 seconds, um, the senator, and it's not a clip. It's his statement of what he said. Because it's very, it's very important to me that we don't take clips and that we don't, um, we don't move things around and we don't censor. But what we're not going to do is allow people to get on our airway and talk crazy and talk from a non-factual um, point of view. We're not doing it. It's not happening. So if you think that's censorship, it, call it what you want, but you're not going to get on our airways and say things that are not true to our listeners. It's not happening. Email me, call me, do whatever you want to. It's not going to happen. Hmm. Mic drop. It's 8.59. The phone lines are on fire, Dion, but we got to wrap it up. All right. So, yeah, please dial, call your, your House of Representatives, because what the one true thing that was just said there is we want to stop it in the House so it does not go back to the Senate where it'll get amended and whatever else because it's a it's very tricky the way this process goes on i don't have time to get into it maybe some other time we can do it but the number to call is 317-232-9677 317-232-9677 reference house bill 1134 thank you cameron have a blessed day and maybe some other day we can have a full COVID discussion and and why we're not shutting down and some other things. We'll have to do that when we're back open in the building. Because <laughs> right. we, we are shut down. So <laughs> Yes, we are. There's nobody in here but me and Ethan and the ghosts. All right, Dion, thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Lauren Chapman from IPBS uh, for coming on and giving us context to the record-breaking COVID numbers. And, of course, our general manager and regional vice president, Dion Levingston, for spending time with us this morning. Coming up here on Hot 96.3, it is your favorite music. And on 106.7 WTLC, it's the Hour of Power with Al Sharpton. We're back. Same time, same stations. Next Sunday, live at 8.